Welcome, welcome back to Rise to Liberty. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. We are joined by literally Spike Cohen. How you doing tonight, Spike? I'm doing good, Jacob. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime, anytime. I I always enjoy the conversations we have. So you know this this was uh, natural. Plus, I had realized the first conversation we had uh, actually right when uh, not too long after I started Rise to Liberty. Um, we had talked about vaccine mandates. It was right when mm, yes. Biden came out and started talking about all of that. And uh, it got swiped off of YouTube almost immediately. And so I figured it was about time to get you back on. Well, because we said a bunch of unfounded conspiracies, yes. otherwise known as things that are all settled, established facts <laughs> that no one disputes anymore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that, that just upset some people for some reason. And Not good. Exactly. Not good. Stop saying things that are true and inconvenient to the people in charge. <laughs> well, exactly. Otherwise, you know, they can't do all these terrible things, you know? Exactly. So uh, speaking of which, have you been following any of the uh, the Twitter file stuff? Oh, yeah. In fact, I've actually I'm the guy who's been taking the Twitter files, uh, screenshotting them and then putting them on all the other social media just in case anyone <laughs> is missing out on them. Uh, the newest one I haven't uh, dived into yet, uh, the one that came out uh, earlier today, I my understanding is that it's about the fact that Twitter was telling the government and, and other corporate media outlets, uh, this isn't Russian bots please stop saying that we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, allowing Russian bots on. I assume, again, I haven't finished reading it. I assume that at some point they just went, okay, fine. It's Russian bots and just did whatever the government and corporate media told them to do. So wh why do you think this isn't bigger news? I mean, it, it's basically come out that, you know, Twitter has not been a private company. Like everyone yes. said, Yep, uh, it, it's absolutely 100% confirmed. And it's just like crickets for the most part. Well, the the question is, why is the corporate media not covering the fact, corporate media and other big tech outside of Twitter, covering the fact that corporate media and Twitter and big tech have been working hand in hand and basically at the behest of the government? Why on earth would they not want that to be a big story the answer answers it's the question answers itself if they why they why would they want people to know that and and the fact is it goes deeper than that it's because they're still doing it obviously like it's because they can't it, look at how what's happening right now with uh with uh joe biden apparently has been uh holding classified information uh for years um and I, probably because he's forgetting it <laughs> um, and now I'm hearing that there's potentially a Chinese funded think tank that, you know, that he was a part of and getting paid to do next to nothing for the media is almost entirely crickets on this because they're supposed to be crickets on this because they are not here to provide us with information that is newsworthy and that makes us better informed, you know, citizens of, of this, of this country or of this society. It's they give us information to propagandize us into accepting our lot as serfs for the controllers of the existing power structure. And so anything that makes us go, hey, wait a minute, 
<laughs> I'm starting to think that these people don't have our best interest in mind. They're not going to do that. They can frame it against a certain political party or against a certain politician, then maybe. So that's why, like right now, Fox News is all over this thing with Biden and will and will probably make it sound like it's an even bigger deal than it than it really is, which will be hard because it's a pretty big deal. Whereas, you know, anything related to Donald Trump, Fox, you know, pretends that doesn't exist. And the major media pretends it's the biggest deal on earth. And, and, and this is what happens. And what we've seen is that social media, they basically cut out the middleman and it's just the government telling them what to do. And uh, that's horrifying. That that makes that makes social media potentially worse than the mainstream corporate media. There's not even a buffer there. It's just literally the government saying, this is bad. Don't allow this. Well, and it kind of... Uh makes it uh, fairly obvious that all opinions are now ran through just the propaganda machine. Yep. Uh, any dissenting opinion or anybody just raising questions saying, hey, wait a minute, uh, they're just silenced or banned or just kicked off, and then you never yep. even yep. see any dissenting opinion. Yeah, and the, and the new thing that they're doing is they just take you and just on the algorithm. Like they, they just destroy so that it's not, they're not banning you. So you can't say, you can't have people saying free this person, let them back on They're They're, you know, for the most part, they're just making, putting you in oblivion and making it where you can't. One of the ways that I've been getting around that is I'm really, it's hard for a bot to spot what I'm doing for the most part. You know, I'll put out hot takes about Biden or Trump or COVID vaccines or whatever, but most of my stories are these like, heart tugging emotional stories with paragraphs about it and buried in it is about how you know this is happening because there's too much power in the hands of too few people that's harder for a bot to spot it looks like just a human interest piece and that they like that stuff they like stuff that gets people happy or sad or excited or angry or whatever as long as as, as long as they think it's like a humans of new york or upworthy type of thing. And I make my my the stuff that I post sound just upworthy enough or just, <laughs> you know, humans of New Yorky enough that I usually get away with it. And it usually goes viral. Every once in a while they'll they'll pop me and and I'll notice that, you know, this post that usually would be getting, you know, a, a reach of three or four million is getting a reach of thirty or forty thousand. And it's like, yeah, I know why that is. It's because you know, I use one too many keywords that the bots picked up. So, or someone looked at it manually and went, nope, nope, we don't want people to know about the, <laughs> you know, children being sent to Texas, uh, uh, to, to, uh, mental hospital prisons because, uh, the, the, uh, Alaskan state system is so corrupt and they're, they're getting back end pay. They're getting, uh, a, a payoff from, uh, from the, the private companies in Texas to, uh, to imprison children with mental health problems. You know, that we can't, we don't want people knowing yeah. about that. So, so anyway, no, but, you know, you find your ways to work around it. But the reality is, um, unfortunately, you know, Elon Musk was able to buy Twitter, but that's a unicorn, like a multi-billionaire sinking basically his life savings into uh, buying and, and then some having to sell shares of other companies to, to be able to buy it and then exposing it to the world. There's no one wealthy enough to buy Facebook or Google. And if they were it's not likely that they would say, hey, I'm going to go threaten everything by telling everyone what's happening. So this is really like a big moment. It's why the media is pretending it doesn't exist. So how, what's your overall opinion about Elon Musk? I know some people, you know, yeah. 
think this is like an over uh, in general uh, a psyop or something, but it, it seems pretty unique that a billionaire would say, you know, uh, we're actually underpopulated uh, as far as the planet goes. Like we should be having more kids and yep, yep. you know standing up for freedom of speech. That's, that's pretty in, unique amongst the billionaires. Oh, absolutely. I, I will say Elon Musk is just an example of the duality of man, right? Like here is someone who has described himself as a free speech absolutist and Twitter has definitely become a more friendly place for free speech. But then like he didn't like Kanye's uh, tweet with the the Aurelian symbol, the whatever symbol, which is a it looks like a swastika and a star of David. It turns out it's some like fringe uh, fringe religious thing. And that made him mad. So he, he, you know, has perma banned, uh, Kanye and whatever you think of Conway. I, I, I don't like most of what pretty much anything of what Kanye said in the last few weeks, but, uh, or, or I guess a couple of months now, but, uh, but you know, that wasn't very free speechy of him. Here's someone who has talked, you know, one of the most prominent people to suggest peace negotiations between Ukraine and Russia. And yet, you know, he's giving Starlink to, for free to, uh, Ukraine civilians and military is actually, I, I believe, working with Department of Defense, uh, U.S. Department of Defense on that, making that permanent. So, you know, here's someone he's he's talked a lot about the free market. And yet, you know, he's gotten his his uh, tax carve outs and tax credits for his you know vehicles and things like that. So, I mean, you know, it's it's I'm not going to pretend Elon Musk is a perfect person. And uh, and I'm I, I'm not going to pretend that he's evil either. Uh, is he a psyop? I don't think he's a psyop. I think he's uh, a man who's become incredibly wealthy by making some big power moves. I think he has a a large overarching vision for the future. Everything from you know the fact that he's looking at. I I, I see someone who looks at humanity almost in an imagination level. Like he's thinking about us becoming a star-faring species and extending our lives to the horizon indefinitely so that we don't really die anymore at least we don't age anymore and and eventually merging us with you know cybernetic technology like, i mean he's just he's on a different level which is why a lot of the stuff that he you know the ideas he puts out sound like insanity but then so did at one point so did the idea of the the largest and most profitable car maker selling zero gas uh, uh, internal combustion vehicles He's doing that. So did the idea of having um, rockets that, you know, come back down to earth and things like that. And in a relatively short period of time, he's achieved those things. So I think it's a net positive that Elon is around, uh, but we have to call balls and strikes if, you know, I, I don't think he'd even claim he's he's perfect or anything close to it. And when he's falling uh, short of his standards, especially when it comes to Twitter, I mean, he can run his company however he wants. But when he's saying, you know, this is about free speech, we got to call him on it. You know, if, if he if it if it looks like he's not uh, he's not keeping up with that, we need to, to remind him of that. Well, I, I would say in general, it even just the Twitter files, it, that's worth it to me. That's huge. It's it's really nice to have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, suspicions that tons of people have had actually confirmed. Yep. Yep. We got bits of pieces of like, I remember, I think this was last year where uh, maybe it was the year before. I can't remember now, but it was it was at least a year ago when uh, both Jen Psaki and Joe Biden came out and were like, 
And for those who know, Jen Psaki was Joe Biden's last press secretary. Um, and they both came out like same day, basically saying if Facebook doesn't start, you know, banning people for being vaccine hesitant, then they're killing people and they're going to be responsible for the deaths. And there's going to be some some hell to pay for that. And I was like, wait a second, this is a private company deciding, you know, I thought it was a private company, bro. And uh, that was a pretty decent confirmation that if it came to it being public like that, you know, if, if there were ever a Facebook files, I'm sure we'd find out that that was after months of them getting on Mark Zuckerberg and saying, do this, do this, do this. And maybe he wasn't. And that was their shot across the bow to say, you know, we're going to make this tough. And then suddenly it's happening. I, I actually you didn't ask, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I think and this probably isn't a popular opinion. I think Mark Zuckerberg is probably closer to on a lot of ideas to what Elon Musk was. Keep in mind, prior to like 2015, there was very little moderation of what could or could not be said on Facebook outside of like, you know, death threats and, and you know, harassment and things like that. Like it was pretty, pretty wide open. And I think what happens is when you rise to a certain level of, of prominence, you have multiple governments, not just the US government, you have multiple world governments putting the screws to you, the U.S. government, the Chinese government, most of the EU governments, the Canadian government. You've got a lot of governments coming and saying, listen, you want to use our playground that we control here. Uh, you want to be a, you know, a multi-billionaire. You want to you know, be one of the people leading us into the future. Fine. You do what we say when we say it. It's like a protection racket. Nice, nice big tech company you got here. Be a real shame if something was to happen to it. And I think that you know, I think that uh, Elon Musk is having to navigate his way around that as best he can. And I, I'm sure Zuckerberg is. Obviously, he's doing it in a much more. I think the difference between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg is even though up until relatively recently, the last few years, Zuck was pretty much cool with any kind of speech for the most part. I think the difference is Zuck is a progressive. So, yeah, they're putting the screws to him, but he largely agrees with them anyway. So that's OK. Whereas Elon Musk is pretty libertarian. I, I'm not sure I'd call him a libertarian, but he's definitely like, he's definitely got that streak of like, how about you let me do it? And, and, you know, and, and a lot of things he says, he's definitely right of center economically. Yeah. And I think socially he's like, I don't care. He calls himself like in the middle, but honestly, when he starts describing it, it sounds suspiciously libertarian. I'm not going to claim he's a, you know, an ANCAP or a, a hardcore libertarian, but he's certainly in the Liberty sphere, whereas Zuck isn't. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, I I would also like to point out it, it we are so far left uh, as as far as the Overton window that any anyone oh, yeah. who's even halfway reasonable uh, <laughs> seems right, just because we're so far left on so many policies. Yeah, and when I meant when I was saying right, I meant like from an economic standpoint, yeah. like private ownership versus you know forced collective ownership. So I meant it like in that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, from just the mainstream, and and first of all, what does right even mean in in the outside of like an economics context or something like that? Yeah. I mean, when I was you know developing my opinions, thought I was some kind of a conservative, you know, heard libertarianism, wasn't sure what I thought of that. I always associated the further you were right, the more you just wanted the government out of your lives. Well, now the people that are described as far right decidedly want the government in theirs and, every, and especially everyone else's life, telling them to live the way they do uh, or pretend to live. 
Um, but and and so you know, what does that even mean anymore? And and now, yeah, like you said, I mean, I've seen the term right wing used to describe Russell Brand, who is a self-described wow. socialist. Like he is, and if you if you watch his videos, makes a lot of incredible points, yep. but he blasts the capitalists and he blasts, you know, and he's right about, you know, the, the abuse of corporatism and the, the, you know, the quasi fascist system we're turning into and all of that, but he blames capitalism and he, you know, you know, believes in things like, you know, universal everything. And, and, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, a left winger. He's a decidedly yeah. left winger, but because he isn't a shit lib because he's not a you know a a a, a center i'm not sure what to call you know a a, a a new american century neo lib slash neo con you know the 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 status quo i support the current thing type of per, you know npc type he's you know now blasted as a right winger so yeah what does that even mean there's like that meme where there's someone that says right wing and left wing and there's just someone standing there kind of like this and the left winger pushes <laughs> them into the right wing. And then the, where it says right wing moves over even into the yeah. left and it's like, wait, what happened here? And uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure what it means anymore, but I would say just even by our standards, I think Elon's pretty fairly libertarian leaning on a lot of stuff. And, and the fact that he has been okay with some of the, you know, the, the, the uh the carve outs and deals he's gotten from government at taxpayer expense that's the again duality of man just because he might believe that in principle doesn't mean he's not willing to put a few billion in his pocket to look the other way well i mean he's fairly successful on the business front so fairly yes he's you know, done okay yeah occasionally he's the richest man on earth he's done all right <laughs> he's yeah. done all right you know probably uh you know not everything is uh principled libertarian but then again right. how how can you be at that level and also you can't do yeah, exactly you, you cannot you can, yeah. the, the system's not set up that way yeah no if you were a, a principled libertarian can be successful i don't believe you can be a a principled libertarian you won't be allowed to be and that's what it is it's not like oh if you're a libertarian you won't be able to run a company like that it's if you're a libertarian and live it by principle and refuse to, you know, play ball on things that break your principle, they're not going to let you become the multi-billionaire owner of multi, you know, of multiple multi-billion and even trillion dollar companies. I mean, he's in China. Like yeah. there's, there's a certain level of stuff they're even going to let you say before they won't let you do business there. You know, they, I, I remember the thing with John Cena, who is about the least political person <laughs> on earth, freaking John Cena. And he's like having to make a video of, oh, you know, I'm so sorry about because he said whatever, or retweeted something or what. You know, Ennis uh, Cantor, now he's changed his name to Ennis Freedom, got kicked out of the NBA for yeah. like basically for saying, you know, the Turkish and Chinese governments are corrupt and people there are being mistreated and they're not free. That was enough for them to, you know, I mean, they, they have people that have, you know, that have raped people, that have assaulted people, that have committed violent crimes and, and God knows what else. And, and you know, that, you know, eh, people make mistakes, but criticizing the Chinese government is completely unacceptable. We don't need that around children. Like, you know, you're only going to be able to grow to so much without playing ball. And I get it. Like, I think he's also looking at this as, 
if I want us to become a space-faring, space-faring, you know, traveling the stars species, I got to do this and play ball. And I mean, some of that's rationalization, but I, I hope he succeeds in that stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess only time will tell, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I, I wanted to ask you um, mm-hmm. is, so there, there's that famous uh, Ron Paul quote, which I think uh, he also was quoting somebody else, but it was uh, it, when, when an idea's time has come, you know, it's impossible to stop it. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, yeah. yeah nothing can um, stop. And I, uh, nothing is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember too, but yeah, not, nothing is too, uh, powerful enough to stop an idea whose time has come or something. Yes. Um, so has the time come for libertarianism or just liberty ideas? Is, is it actually the time? I believe so, but I, I want to full disclosure here. I believe that liberty's time has long past come. I think the question is, are we ready to seize upon it with each new day? As things get worse, as the reality of the increasingly dystopian nightmare that's being created around us is is made clear and apparent to an increasing number of people it becomes with each day with each moment more our time and and the flip side of that is it also means we have far more work to do so it's there's you know it's as with all things there's balance so it becomes easier for us to make our our point but it also becomes once we get there we have more work to do but the biggest question is do we are we prepared to seize upon this and if so how are we going to do it and i'm I'm glad we're going to talk about that because uh you know we have to do it It, it's ready it's been ready i I think it was ready 20 30 years ago if we if we were ready to do it it's a matter of are we ready to do it and then if we're ready to do it here's how we need to do it and are we ready to do that because it's one thing to say i'm ready to win for liberty it's another thing to say i'm ready here is the roadmap of what we're going to do and I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do it. And I, I hope others are as well. Uh, I, I would have to agree. Uh, I've been there. I, I feel as though uh, if we wait any longer, we're going to miss the opportunity. Um, Very possibly. If, if, if things get too far, we're we're going to lose the ability to ever gain it back. Um, I I, and I like the precipice argument that like we're at a moment where if we don't do it, it's it's never going to happen. It's possible. I tend to think of things on more of like a sliding line, a sliding scale where it's like it'll still be possible if we wait to if we wait too long or, or longer. But it's more it's just going to be that much harder. It's like, you know, we, we I, I guess there is truly a point where it's just too late. I just I, I think that looks a lot more like what's happening. I think even in China, the right conditions could spark to, you know, to to cause a, a revolution for freedom. Um, but look at how far they'd have to come, not just in because we talk a lot about the actual the system that's imposed upon us. But another thing that they'll have to deal with and that we have to deal with here to what to, I guess, to a, a lesser extent compared to them, but still to quite an extent, not just the system itself. But the fact that the vast majority of people, even though if you look at a poll that says that, I think only 13% of Americans like the way things are going, almost well over 90% think that this is still the system to do it in. They just think the wrong guy's in charge or the wrong parties are in charge or some, some new 
power needing a government's not quite big enough or maybe this part of government needs to be marginally smaller and this part needs to be marginally bigger but they they still think it needs to be within this system within the way things are going right now and that's probably uh besides the i mean honestly even more than the system itself is the real power of the system is the fact that so many people believe in it that's the biggest power it has so what what do you think of course this is kind of a, a generalized question but sure exactly where where do we go from here uh there there's tons of options we've got the lp we've got all kinds of uh liberty minded conservatives we've got you are the power the Mises caucus, there's, there's options Mm -hmm. to get out there. And obviously we need a little bit of everything. Yes. But what, what, what's some of the best ways that we could actually just move forward to actually show some sort of, uh, some sort of winning on our side? Sure. So I want to start with the political party end of it. And then I'll, and then I'll go on to other, other things as well. Um, and this, when I say the political party stuff, primary, I'm a partisan libertarian. I don't plan on voting for anyone who's not in the libertarian party. I fully respect people who you know, will strategically vote for certain Republicans or even certain Democrats or independents or whatever else. I'd be much more likely to vote for an independent or another third party person uh, than a Republican or Democrat. Um, just because I think you're feeding the system, even if that candidate's good, you're still feeding the the the, the uniparty or duopoly or republicrats or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I I primarily want to put my focus in electoral politics in the Libertarian Party, and I think what the Libertarian Party needs to do, and I from what I've in talking with leadership of the party, I believe this is their plan with the with the uh, decentralized revolution and and all of that. We need to first of all understand where we are and where we are is that a lot of people even identifying as libertarians don't vote for us for our party because they think we can't win and that's like the most frustrating paradox of all right because they go well i'd vote for you if you could win well i'd win if you voted for me like it's 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 the most infuriating (laughs) thing but and the problem is we've talked about it that way for a very long time well we could win if you voted for us well, I'm not going to vote for you. So you just said I, you can't win. And it's like you want to pull your hair out and you want to scream at them and call them, you know, road cucks and all that stuff. And I get it. Like I've, <laughs> I've, I've done my fair share of road cuck calling out there. But the fact <laughs> is, once I started, stop looking at this from my why won't these people vote for my party, even though it's so superior to the other ones, and started thinking about it as someone who has been in the business world for 20, God, 24 years. Jesus, I'm old. Uh, for for <laughs> decades now, and has been in you know done very well in sales and marketing. This is a product like anything else, or you have to look at it as a product or service. We're politics is sales, and what the customer, the voter, is telling us is, I don't think your product's going to work for me. And if you say, well, it could if you bought it. Well, they already said they're not going to buy it, so you're saying it's not going to work for them. So. How do we change that? Well, first of all, we already are winning in many races. We have hundreds of elected libertarians across the country, but they're in the less sexy races. They're in the city councils and mayors and town boards and school boards and you know stuff like that. Things that aren't quite as sexy, but the thing is, it's hundreds of elected libertarians. 
And we're doing that despite the fact that our primary focus has always been on the races that we never win. President, vice president, I, I, I did this. President, vice president, Senate, governor, uh, races that many of which, including president and vice president, that we have to run in if only for ballot access reasons. And if we're running them, we should run good, solid campaigns and, and you know try to get the message out there. And the people running, even if they don't have a shot in hell of winning, they should still be running to win because nothing demotivates a voter, like thinking like you're not even trying to win in the first place. But our primary focus, our primary resources, and even some of the focus of those candidates running for those higher offices needs to be where we're already winning. Because if we push up and, and uplift and promote and put our focus where we're already winning, then we start changing the narrative on that. We start showing people that not only do we win, we're already winning. And when we tell the stories of the people who have won and what they've been able to accomplish, now we say when a libertarian wins, it's not like when a Republican or Democrat wins. When a Republican or Democrat wins, the Republicans and Democrats win. The parties win. Those candidates win. The cronies that own them win. The bureaucrats that they control win. When a libertarian wins, you win. And when we do that, that that changes the focus entirely. It instead it become instead of becoming, well, you can't win. It becomes, wow, you do win, and I win too. I get I get something out of the fact that I voted Libertarian. They may initially only vote locally, but they're at least voting for you locally. And what happens is now they're aligned with individuals and with personalities who they recognize are good for them. So. They vote for that person in city council, then for mayor, then for state rep or state senator, whatever, then maybe for governor or for Congress or for Senate. So even if it doesn't immediately lead to people voting, which I think it will also increase the number of people voting up ticket as well, it's going to get them voting for people who themselves will work their way up the ballot. And as long as, and this is the second part of it, and I believe this is in decentralized revolution as well, when they're in there, it's not just, hey, look, I won and I can win again. It's I won. Now here's the work we're going to do. And here, and by the way, you didn't think that we were powerful enough to affect anything federally? Well, we're about to nullify a bunch of bad federal and state laws here at the local level. And you're going to see just how much power we have right here in our own backyards, in, empowering voters and letting them know that, yeah, voting for the right city council person or the right sheriff or the right state rep suddenly now you're not as worried about what's happening in Congress because it's already been nullified in, in your in your neck of the woods. So there's a lot of good stuff that the party can do there. And it looks like that they're they're poised to do that stuff. And I'm certainly uh, happy to, to see that happening. But there's only so much that can be done in a political party, because, first of all, most people don't see themselves as political, even if they are hyper political and, you know, are, are involved in lots of causes and things like that. They don't see themselves as political and there's only so much before people get politics fatigue. And so what we're doing with You Are the Power is filling that gap between what a political party can do and the needs of people. So what we're doing is we're finding people in need of help, whether it's a charitable need, whether it is, you know, they're being abused or mistreated by their local government, anything like that. We find out about them. We 
alert the public about what's happening with them. We get our membership involved and organized with helping them. We get the low, we find uh, other organizations in that area we have common cause with to work on that issue with them. Uh, we uh, uh, get the local public involved and get them organized around it. And now that everyone is excited about this thing and organized around this thing and, and fighting to, to help with this thing, we use it as an opening conversation about how the problem was created by too much power being in the hands of too few people. And the solution is being created by voluntary free people working together on a shared goal and sharing the message of liberty on causes that people already care about. So there's a, there are many things we need to be doing both to, uh, to uh, bring people into the liberty movement and expose them to our ideas in a way that connects with them, and then to also show them that libertarians, you know, in the political realm, in the, in the electoral realm, that libertarians can win right now, and when they win, that you win too. So one thing I've uh, actually been contemplating, uh, also dealing with, uh, you know, my local LP, um, I'm actually the chairman of my county affiliate, and I work close with the Utah Libertarian Party. Okay. Um, it, it, it's kind of, uh, I kind of agree with the sentiment that the point to a political party is to get people elected. It's yeah. it, obviously that makes sense. Um, but I disagree with the fact that that's the only thing that we can do. Um, I do believe that uh, we're, we're not a, political action group we're not we're nothing like uh an organization like you are the power or anything of course but be, beyond just getting people elected i also feel that it's the duty of the party to provide a stable foundation for candidates to run on and there's gonna have to probably be some things that we do that aren't traditional political party roles absolutely um but it's at this point, we have no power and we should just be throwing everything at the wall to see what <laughs> sticks. Well, there's that too, right? Like we should be trying stuff. Like if if it seems like it might make, you know, it, there are going to be some stuff where we go, that's just crazy enough to work. And then we try it and it turns out it worked or it didn't. And uh, another aspect to that is, um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the, the, the telling characteristics of someone who will end up being hyper successful uh, one of the biggest ones is a lack of aversion to trying new things and failing. Like they're not scared of it. They're not when I, you know, and I'm not, I wouldn't necessarily call myself hyper successful. I'm not a billionaire or anything like that, but I've been fairly successful and I don't like failing, but I also look at failure as an opportunity to learn and to, and to, you know, learn from what I did wrong and, and retool for the next thing and figure out, you know, what worked, what didn't work and all of that. So there's going to be some of that. Uh, I'm not sure I would say, and I, I think we're saying the same thing, but maybe just different wording. I think everything within the Libertarian Party is going to be political in nature, and here, but it won't necessarily be electoral. It won't be about it. And I think that's what you Agreed. meant. It won't be about a campaign yeah. or a candidate, but it'll be about something that has a political uh, uh, uh uh, a political tint to it or political message to it Correct. and something that you can build a campaign around. So like, for example, uh, you know, if the libertarian party of what, what's your County again? Uh, we, Weaver County, Weaver County. So if the libertarian party of Weaver County sees we, a Weaver. Weber. Yeah. Okay. Of Weber County, uh, finds a, you know, a cause in your County that lines up a hundred percent with what libertarians believe. So like, and I'm just throwing out an example, but like a someone at the county or city level 
in, in Weber County is wildly abusing eminent domain and they're just seizing properties condemning them seizing them left and right and it's for like the most it's not for a highway it's not for any any whatever reason that the public might go well i guess we need that but it's like just the most <laughs> disgusting thing you could you know they're doing it you know it's another kilo thing where they're doing it to you know build a, a you know a, a mini mall or something like that and the public is is already pretty upset about it and you guys, the, the Libertarian Party, and this is something you were the power would seize upon too. We would use it just to share the liberty message. It would be incumbent upon any candidate or party to make it about their party and their campaign and their candidate. But it's, you know, ultimately it's two different ways of, of trying to, to share the same type of a message. But you could take that and find a local group, you know, save our save our you know our our homes or whatever you know some local group that's banding together against it and and work with them uh single issue coalitions are huge find common cause get your your best speakers in the in the county party your best people that you can put you know front facing in front of cameras and get them out there and get them talking about it and make it clear the libertarian party is directly against this will fight tooth and nail against this where are our republican and democrat friends why aren't they here joining us to call out against this uh, or if they are we welcome our republican and democrat friends and finally joining us and calling against these kinds of abuses that their parties have been doing for decades blah 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 and then if you can get enough traction on it and enough goodwill on it now you run candidates on it okay not only were we against this thing and and maybe it's one of those people that that you've been putting in front of the cameras or it's someone else or maybe one of those people who's fighting says you know what I think I'm a libertarian too. I'm going to run for county council. And now you can support them and they can, you know, they can do their thing. So that can parlay itself into electoral politics. So I do think, I will say this, if you're going to be a political party, I think that all of your resources should at least be indirectly towards supporting an eventual campaign or candidate, even yeah. if it's not one that's even been identified yet, but you know that this can help in the future towards that. I think that that's going to include getting the message out there. But the problem is I've seen where some people have said, you know, we're just going to use this party, either, a, you know, a local or state affiliate, or even some who have said that we should do that with the national level. We're just going to use it to spread the message. The problem is it's hard to quantify that. And it's hard to, the metrics are, are shaky on that. You know, you can say we've gotten this many shares, we've gotten this many, you know, this is our, our organic reach or whatever. But the problem is that doesn't always tell the whole story. Um, you know, you can you can put something out there that everyone hates and that's technically organic reach. So, you know, it's 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 hard to, to quantify that as a success in spreading the message. But if you can do some of that with the end goal of getting some people elected, even if they're not even identified yet, that's a metric you can point at. You can say this person got elected. And then when they got elected, they were able to pass this many things and they were actually able to stop the thing that was our original cause that we were going on. So I do think it should always be. It should be obviously always political, um, and but even if it's not directly involved in an electoral campaign, there should always be a mind towards how this eventually either either immediately or in the short term, you know, in the shorter medium term funnels into political success, electoral successes. Whereas with you are the power, what we're doing is on similar causes like that, on similar charitable efforts and all of that stuff, we're saying our our funnel, which is immediate, is 
get people into saying, yes, liberty is the way, respecting rights and autonomy is the way, centralization of authority, central planning, putting too much power in the hands of people, of, of too few people, not having accountability for them, uh, trusting them to take care of us, that's not working. Well, those people are now prime for a libertarian party of Weber County or wherever else. So, I mean, again, we're a, we're a 501c4, so we are not here yeah. for any political party. Uh, it would honestly, uh, you know, if, there, if there's a really good Republican Liberty Caucus in that area, it would be great for them. If there's a really great independent candidate, it would be really great for them. But that's on them. Yeah. That's on them to do that. Our goal is just to grow the liberty movement through causes, through getting people ex excited and organized, through building that network effect of people around each other, talking about liberty all the time, organizing, training, getting excited. This is their thing now. And suddenly they're, you know, very effective liberty activists. It's, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the uh, on-ramp to, to the freeway of liberty, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and and at a very basic level, like, I mean, some of the stuff we're taking on is things like a zoning board shouldn't be able to kick a lady out of her home and try to steal her land because she's living in an RV because her house burned yeah. down and it's being rebuilt. Like no one disagrees that. with that. Right. Like yeah. and no one, no one disagrees with that. There's not going to be even the people doing it to her. know they're wrong. Like no one is sitting there thinking, you know what? This is good. This is yeah, a good thing we're sense. doing. This makes <laughs> sense. This is helpful for society. It's literally just greedy, corrupt people doing it, right? Whatever rat, yeah. maybe those handful of people have deluded themselves. No one is showing up in favor of that, right? And so we pick some like very uh, uh, low hanging fruit because everyone's already upset about it or they don't know yet. And when they find out, they're going to be very upset about it. And when they find out that we have a, you know, a relatively easy initial call to action, now they're like, wow, I can help. And we go, oh, that helped a lot. Here's how you can help further. And a lot of them go, okay, great. How do we do that? And we go, oh, well, here, you can show up to this. And if you want to do more stuff like this in your community, here's some training that we have available. It's a lot of fun. We get together. We have fun. We learn stuff. And you get them onboarded. You get them not just onboarded into the brass tacks of how, but the brass tacks of why. You get them onboarded to hearing over and over again, because of course we do best when we're most free. And, and of course we need to disrupt this over-centralization of power. And they're like, yeah, of course we do. And you get them into it and suddenly they go from zero to liberty activists. And, you know, and then whether they stay on with you or the power, and that's just the, the thing that they're doing and they're organizing in their community, maybe they find the Libertarian Party of, of their county, or maybe they become the, uh, you know, uh, they decide to take over the Democrat or Republican Party and make it more libertarian. Or maybe they say, I don't even care about electoral politics. I'm just going to, you know, try to help people around in my community. Maybe they run for office as an independent or as something, whatever they choose to do, we have gotten them onboarded into liberty. That's our goal. Whatever happens after that, that's up to those people and the candidates and the parties and everything else uh, for both legal and strategic reasons. We're staying out of that. We are just here to grow the liberty movement and to help people because that's the other problem. While we've been sitting here trying to figure out how to square the circle uh, or circle the square. I always forget which one. It is. Try to, you know, try to to solve the unsolvable puzzle of growing the liberty movement. People are suffering now.
So let's help yeah. him. So well, one thing, obviously, uh, like here in Utah, it's it's a very deep red state. Yes. And it's, it's, you know, Republican through and through. It's Republican yep. to the point that even some Democrats run as Republican. <laughs> because there's, there's outside of Salt Lake County, you're not going to win unless yep. you're Republican. Um, I mean, Libertarian Party is actually growing pretty well. Uh, my vice chair ran this last uh, midterm cycle, got 28% uh, wow. for being... A political nobody you know first yeah. time running uh ran for county commissioner and i was impressed he was a little bummed i was like what are you talking about that's 28 29 percent no one knew who yeah. you were <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i was like you need to be proud of that mm -hmm. um but also run into a lot of people who believe the libertarian party is not uh viable for election mm -hmm. um and also run into a lot of people that are just stuck on the Republican because it's the most important election ever. Yes. And yep. so really what, what's the best way to address these people? Um, our governor, for instance, uh, governor Cox, he, a lot of Republicans are very unhappy with him, And I always try to point out, he's still a party back candidate mm -hmm. that yep. tends to open a lot of people's eyes and say, okay, wow, that I didn't think about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. The whole rhino thing is such nonsense, right? Like I remember being a Republican and going, yeah, well, that's a rhino. It's not a real Republican. It's just the name only. He's the leadership <laughs> of the party. Like yeah, I'm not talking about yeah. some schmuck who shows up to Republican stuff with a Medicare for all. Sure. These are like the actual elected Republicans with yeah. like the most power. You know, Mitch McConnell's a rhino. Mitch McConnell's the most powerful Republican in DC right now. What are you talking about? I've even yeah. started hearing people go, well, Donald Trump's really more of a rhino. Donald Trump was your last president. Like, <laughs> I mean, get like uh, your last Republican, but like enough. You're yeah. the rhino. You're, you are the rhino. You're the one who is waiting for this party to actually follow its, its values. Right. And it's so frustrating dealing with people who say that, but here's what you need to understand. That person who says, uh, who said, well, yeah, I'll say this first and then I'll go, I'll go into explaining it. That person who says, well, they're just a rhino or uh, or this is the most important election of our time or whatever. They're what we call late adopters. They're concerned primarily about is everyone else doing this? What is oh, I'm going to go with the with the with the uh, consensus among my group. Like I'm going to the the people saying I don't I'm not sure you can win. Those are the people kind of signaling, not always, sometimes they're just saying it because they have no response, but sometimes they're signaling that they kind of like what you have to say, but uh, they're not sure they could, they need to make sure they know it's going to work first. And that's the early majority. So there's a, a thing called the theory of dissemination of ideas. And what the theory of dissemination of ideas says in any given population, there's, there's five main groups. Uh, and there's obviously some overlap between them. It's not like you get branded and it's not like that divergent movie where you, you know, get a thing and you're only that or whatever. There's some overlap, <laughs> but there's, uh, uh, innovators, there's early adopters, there's early majority, there's late majority, 
and there's the laggards. So the uh, innovators and early adopters, that's us. The innovators are the ones, they come up with the ideas. They're the ones who strip things down to first principles. They figure out how it works, how it doesn't work, and they make the new stuff. They're the ones who are always coming up with the new things. They're at the forefront of new ideas. They often sound crazy, even to people who kind of agree with them because they're just, they're out there making all the new stuff. The early adopters, and many of us are early adopters. Uh, and when I say us, I'm talking about people in the LP is almost, almost entirely innovators and early adopters. The early adopters, they may not be the ideas, people coming up with new ideas, but they get it quickly. They're like, yes, that makes perfect sense. And they don't care if it's popular and they're not even waiting to prove that it works. They're just like, yeah, this is what matters. Everyone needs to know, you know, these are whenever there's some new technology that works for well, they're the first people to get it if they can like that. This is who they are. Then you've got the early majority. The early majority are people who they recognize that there's a problem. They don't like how things work. They might like what you're saying, but before they're going to buy on, they need to see that it works. These are the people that you get with uh, that you get them over with things like you know, winning elections at the local level or with successfully building uh, policy coalitions who are able to stop things from happening or get things to happen, right? Um, uh, like uh, the LA County libertarians uh, were part of a successful effort to get rid of the the, the vaccine mandates. Um, I think it was the vaccine. It was one of the mandates. I think it was the vaccine mandates. Well, that shows early adopters like, oh, wow, okay, they can get stuff done. The late uh, majority they may or may not even recognize that there's an issue. They probably get it, but not necessarily so much. They may or may not agree with you. They just want to see where everyone else whose opinion, you know, who's who's in their their circle, where they're going. So if they see other voters are voting for you, you've got them. Once you get the late majority, you're now the primary. You're you're you have won. You're you're the you're the people in charge now. You're the ones whose ideas have become mainstream. The laggards are ones you may or may not ever get. Um, it, it honestly in politics, it's not even all that necessary to get laggards. Uh, it's, uh, you know, that's more important if you're trying to like sell a product and want to have maximum market saturation, you have to use like fear-based advertising with them because like it's, it, they're literally just, they're going to die before they start something. We're not worried about them. We're worried about, we're already the innovators and early adopters. We're, we'll, we get a lot of those, but we're pretty saturated there. We need to worry about getting early majority by showing that our way works and that it works for them, and late majority by showing that this is what people are into. And it's the early majority that helps us get the late majority. If we focus on that, uh, then that's how we get this. Now, how do we actually implement that? Well, that's what we've been talking about. You got it. The, a lot of these people, it's not going to be a thing you say to them that changes it. It's going to be demonstrating to them that you're addressing their, their issue. If their issue is you can't win, you got to win. You got to pour resources and time and effort into winning causes that can lead to winning campaigns for local and regional offices to show them that we win. And when we win, they win as well. And the other ones, honestly, a lot of that work's going to be done once you do that. They're going to see that that, you know, people are that the early majority is voting for them. And now they they go along as well because they they, they go with the herd. That's that we have to address a lot of this stuff where. <laughs> We, as libertarians, many of us got here because someone said something to us and it got stuck in our head and we realized that it made the most logical sense. That's not how most people operate. You know, if we could have won this by arguing, we would have already won. Like the taxation is theft <laughs> yeah. meme would have ended the IRS. Like it's, it, you know, it, because our ideas make the most sense. Most people aren't worried about making the best logical argument. They have 
their their political ideas are ad hoc. They're they're you know they aren't really thinking these things through. Uh, it's much more visceral. It's much more like, well, how am I going to pay my rent? How are my kids going to afford to go to college? And if you can demonstrate stuff, then you might get them. But it's you're not going to say you know the non-aggression principle makes the most sense because you can't delegate to someone a right that you yourself don't have. They don't know. They don't give a crap about that stuff. Yeah. We've got the people that you can get with that. And in fact, a lot of the people that you can get with that still walk away because they go, okay, great. I agree with you 100%. We aren't winning. So even a lot of the early adopters want to see some success yeah. before we can actually get them back. So that's what our work has to be. So one thing I want to ask about is it's something I've been asking, not just myself, but other people within the movement as well is where are all the radicals? And to, to expand on that, what I mean is that our first chair of the Utah Libertarian Party, his name is Carl Bray, and he was a tax rebel. Um, he used to dress up as Paul Revere and ride a horse through one of the parks in downtown Salt Lake and hand out yes. Carl Bray dollars and tell everyone, you know, take these because the Federal Reserve notes are going to be worthless. <laughs> and obviously I don't want to take away from anyone's hard work because there are a lot of people doing great work in the party oh, across course. all the states, yeah. but like the theatrics um, where I, I don't see much of that going on these days. Like you said, there are people that are doing it. I honestly think some of it, not all, but some of it is, I think there's two main things. And I'll, I'll start with the positive one, which I think some of it is a sign of maturity. And I'm not saying Carl Bray was immature. I, I yeah. want to clarify yeah. what I'm saying here. As you work your way past a certain point, the, hey, look at me, hey, look at me, becomes less important than the, here's what I'm doing. Right. So like this was a this was, a, you know, I, I ran with Vermin Supreme as it was a, a Vermin's uh, Vermin Spike 2020. We were you know proposed running mates. And the message that Vermin and I both kept hearing was Vermin is great to get people's attention. We're out of that being our primary concern phase. People uh, not there are people that know who we are. There are people that don't know who we are. But at this point, our focus needs to be on, on what we do. Um, I would think that, you know, Carl, I don't know Carl Bray and, and I, I've, I've never heard of that, but that's a really cool thing. I would think even a Carl Bray at this point would be saying, okay, great. That had the success it did. Here's the next thing. Like, here's where we go into that. So some of that is a sign of the organization reaching a point of, of saying that's not as important as, as this. I would, another thing I would say is the theatrics are different now. So like, for example, yeah, we might not have as many people that are dressing up as Paul Revere and, and riding around and, and handing out, you know, uh, equally fake money as Federal Reserve notes. <laughs> um, I, I love that's a cool thing, though. We, we might need to bring that back, actually. But we have people on TikTok. We have people on YouTube. We have people on Facebook. We have people on Instagram. And they're they're doing the trend stuff that gets people's attention. I saw like the Libertarian Party of Arkansas had like a video that got like four million views or something like that. Like it's it's happening out there. Um, so that's the new theatrics. And, and some of that is just, you know, changing with the times. 
Um, I also think some of it is that, and, and, and this is a, this is a, a problem that all nonprofits and political parties deal with, but I think we've especially had the issue is there's a lot of churn, man. Like there's a lot of people who put a lot of time and effort into this party and they went into it knowing that they probably weren't going to win very much, but it just puts so much demand on them. And there were, you know, we could get into a whole variety. I mean, I, I did a, yeah. for a year and a half, I did a, a speaking thing at most of the, at a number of the conventions talking about the culture of losing and the culture of winning. But the long story short is, you know, within the party, we've had, we need, we ha need to, and are working on shedding a culture of like, all right, there's like seven of us and we're going to just do a bunch of shit and then it may or may not work and we'll do this for until we decide we don't want to anymore into it being like, no, we, here's a strategy, here's a game plan, here's what we're going to do. Um, so I think it's a, it's a variety of reasons. Um, but I, I do kind of like the idea of coming back with the Paul Revere thing. That's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> but, right. put it on, but now put it on social media so that it goes viral and other people see yeah. it too. And what was also interesting uh about carl um he he sadly he's one of the the, the people of the party who's kind of faded into obscurity which is why i like to talk about him as much as i can get a chance to that's good yeah no people should know and it, it was right when uh nixon put the the price controls on after taking us off the gold standard yeah. um carl had actually owned a bullion business uh here in Ogden, Utah. And he, he actually in open defiance against the government refused to put price controls on his bullion and took out a full page ad in the Salt Lake Tribune <laughs> telling the government blatantly that he was not going to do it. Uh, it's a full page ad, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I like to see libertarians lead by example. I and agree I, with that. You know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's uh, we shouldn't just be talking these ideas. And that's why I like to highlight people on this show who I believe do lead by example. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say other people are not, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We can't, you know, spotlight everyone, but I'll I'll damn sure try. Yep, um, absolutely. I, I oh, go ahead. Oh, it, it was just that that I, I just want to see more people lead by example living the libertarian ideals i i agree i mean obviously the decision whether or not to to you know non-comply to to you know in many cases break the law or anything like that that's a personal decision to make everyone needs to make it uh and i always preface saying that you know i'm, I'm not out here saying everyone break the law but here's what i will say um and i talk i talk about this a lot there is no such thing as government power there is a certain level of consensus of agreeing to go along to get along. There's what the people will tolerate. And it, you know, we, we talk about, you know, getting the majority on our side. When it comes to non-compliance, you usually don't really need the majority in some areas. So depending on the thing and depending on the, the area, you might only need like one to 3% of the population, even on stuff that it's like, you know, you're in a very, a very uh, authoritarian place and they have big numbers of enforcement, five, 10%. Like it's, it's a, 10% would be high, 5%. If you get 5% of the population or even 1% to 3% just saying, no, I'm not going to do that, it becomes effectively impossible to enforce. And they'll try and they'll make examples out of people, 
But if the people stand firm and go, I'm not going to do that, then what happens pretty quickly is the government says, hey, great news, everyone. We decided we don't need this anymore. And what's really happening is they're having to do a tactical retreat because otherwise they have to acknowledge that they don't have the power that they say they do. I gave an example and people got real, not everyone, but a few people got upset of it uh, about it. Um, on New Year's Day, uh, or maybe the day after, I put up a video uh, showing uh, this gigantic fireworks show that happens every New Year's Eve in uh, in Hawaii. I forget which yeah, of the I islands. Saw that. Well, the use of fireworks, uh, of what they call aerial fireworks, the fireworks that go in the air, um, is highly illegal uh, unless you get one of these professional pyrotechnic permits and they're very difficult to get. There might be a couple thousand people that have them and they're all professionals. And yet the entire population of Hawaii basically goes out, buys these fireworks, you know, some legally, some illegally, and just they're all over. The, it's like the freaking like, it's like the 4th of July as an island. And it goes on for hours. It's insane. And I said... Because it's effectively impossible to enforce, they just don't. They can't. There's no, they can't. What, were you going to arrest this guy and there's 300 other people right next to him? Like they, they don't have the resources to do it. And the popularity, if they really did try to crack down, everyone would be like, what are you doing? Leave them alone. We're just having fun. It's New Year's. They, the people are not on their side. So they it's illegal year-round but they just don't enforce it and everyone knows it. And so they just do it. And people were like jumping on me, uh, not everyone, but a few people were like, what are you talking? Hawaiians love their government. They comply with everything. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the point. I'm not saying that the Hawaiian people are freedom fighters. I'm saying that even a, a state that has a pretty high level of compliance with some terrible shit is still... Even they, if they refuse to comply with something, it becomes effectively impossible to enforce. And that's just the reality of it. We just saw in China, they're having to back off of the zero COVID stuff because even in one of the worst authoritarian hellholes with one of the biggest, most oppressive police states, uh, possibly the biggest and most oppressive police state in the in the on the planet, they couldn't make them. And so they had now they cracked down on the protesters, but they also backed off. They were like, well, maybe not zero COVID and yeah, we'll have to reopen some stuff. And then they cracked down on the remaining protesters, but they had to make a tactical retreat. So there is something to be said about, um, about, you know, mass noncompliance. I remember the flack I was getting, uh, from many self-described libertarians during the vice presidential campaign, when I, we were routinely doing events in open violation of COVID orders and we'd show up and they'd say, you know, you don't have a permit. And we'd say, your permit office isn't open. And they go, well, you can't do this. And we'd say, we are doing it. We have a right to peacefully assemble. These people are here and, you know, no one's being violent. And if you have to arrest people, here we are, but we're going to do it. And I was never arrested. Uh, uh, no one, uh, there was one person arrested at one of my events and it was over a gun thing. It was, uh, he was, uh, open carrying in a place that that wasn't allowed or something like that. Um, and, and that the charges ended up getting dropped on that because we made a big deal of it on social media, mm -hmm. but no one else got arrested. And, uh, the, the biggest one was in Miami. They straight up told us they shut down the venue, uh, uh, that we were going to have the event at. And they said, you can't do it here. And they wouldn't let us in the building. So we did it outside. 
we took over like an entire section of Calle Ocho in downtown Miami and, and which made it way bigger. Cause it was only going to be maybe a hundred or so people inside this building having yeah. a, having a, uh, after hours salsa party political thing. And instead now we're out in the streets dancing with, you know, people in the public, just walking with thousands <laughs> of people and the police are there and they can't do it. I said, well then, uh, you know, arrest me. I'm going to do it anyway. And we did, and we did it anyway. We're out there with bullhorns and I I'm, uh, I'm giving people a bullhorn to t ask them to tell their stories about how the COVID regime has ruined their lives or made things more difficult for them. People are lining up to tell their story. We, tore there was no roof but we tore the roof that wasn't there off of Calle Ocho in the middle of in in downtown Miami there and it was an open defiance of multiple police officers who were right there and the media showed up and it was a, it was a whole thing it would have gotten a lot more coverage if Joe Biden and Donald Trump hadn't both been there that same day <laughs> uh doing their debate thing that they did um but all that to say like you have to I, I have made you have to make your own decision. Yeah. I have many times chosen to just refuse to comply. And I'm not going to pretend I'm some like, you know, you know, uh, died in the wool warrior. There's many things I comply with. There's many things all of us comply with. We have to choose what we do or don't comply with um, based on a variety of personal factors. Like you have to make that choice for yourself. But what I will tell you is the more of us don't comply with something, the more it doesn't matter the more it eventually either goes away or just is selectively enforced or or they just kind of look the other way or, or whatever. We saw that with mask mandates. I, I'd go to a place and there were a handful of people, including me, who weren't wearing masks. I'd go back the next time and there were a lot more people. And then by the next time I was there, the mask mandate wasn't there anymore. They're not going to be able to keep enforcing it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, it's it's interesting because I agree. We, we all have to internally deal with you know, how far are we going to yep. take something? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the 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 number one pushback I usually hear or have heard has has been, well, I, I have kids, you know, I I can't do this. I can't do that. And yep. once again, you got to make the choice for yourself. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I would like to remind people, our founding fathers, a lot of our revolutionaries, they had kids, too. They had families and they were willing, you know, to go to the gallows for some of this. Now I'm not saying everyone should, but you know, you should ask yourself exactly how serious are you going to take this? Um, we we've effectively nullified federal marijuana laws at this yep. point in this country yep. because yep. people just don't comply with it. Yeah. And that can happen in a very peaceful way with uh, many other things. And as a result of that, many states caught up with it. Like cannabis is still 100% as illegal in California as it is here in South Carolina, where the state police will straight up throw you in prison the same as if you had yeah. heroin. It is every bit as illegal as it was 30 years ago. It is every bit as illegal. And it's been nullified for the majority of citizens in the United States with more promising. South Carolina will be like the last one. Uh, we are we're like the worst for almost everything. It's it's wild. <laughs> we even our even our gun laws suck. Like you would think a, a deep red state would have good gun. Our gun laws suck. But anyway, so you know it's happening. Like it's happening, and it's happening because of mass non-compliance turned into because there's mass non-compliance, and then there's the network effect of people who may or may not even smoke weed going what's the problem? They're smoking weed, leave them alone. So yeah. that's when it really become, because you got the, the difficulty in enforcing it and the public's not on your side anymore. 
because you had to be brutal to try to enforce it to make an example out of them. And the public's going, what the hell is your problem? Like the guy's smoking a joint, leave him alone. Like, or, yeah. or he was selling a bag of wheel. Like, why are you destroying this person's life over this? And then especially, uh, you know, and this is something we can work with common cause with single issue people with once it was like, yeah, cannabis is a great way with, for veterans with PTSD to get help or for children with certain epileptic, epileptic disorders to get help they need, or, you know, your grandmother who God forbid is on chemo and it helps her have an appetite so she can live longer. What are we going to arrest them for that? There was an example in Kansas. They like literally raided this guy who's dying because he had a, a THZ vape. At THC vape. And you know what happened? This is Kansas. Very illegal. They have no medical cannabis. Any it's just as illegal as it here is here in South Carolina. They dropped the charges because the public was like, why are you doing this? He's dying. It's medicine. It should be legal. Why are you doing this? And the cops who always tell us, I don't make the laws. I just enforce it. They didn't. <laughs> they dropped the charges. The, the just whatever the, I don't know if the DA or whoever there in that local in that county or that town they drop the charges mass non-compliance works and like yeah. and and like Jacob said you got to make your own decisions I hesitate to say this because I don't have kids so I'm not going to try to pretend that you know as a fellow parent here's what I have to say I don't have kids. <laughs> yeah I will say this and I just this is more of as an academic thing your kids are going to be here when you're not and we have to decide what the world looks like for them. So I absolutely understand. I'm not trying to shame or guilt anyone into doing anything because you're, you have to make that decision. And I want to make sure I'm here to provide for my kids and to take, that's a very valid reason to comply with a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily comply with. There is, it is worth considering the fact that there may be things that you want to do to make sure that the future they're in is freer than yours, or at the very least, not less free than yours. So again, these are calculated risks people have yep. to take. You have to live with it. I do not. Do not ever think that I'm telling people to, you know, to jump off the the, the bridge, especially when I am in compliance with a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that I do yeah. that I, do, you know, that I don't want to do like the rest of us because I have to pick and choose. I've made my calculations of what it is. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, some guy in the, in the, the woods ready to start the, start the revolution telling you to, to join me. <laughs> I'm saying all of us have to be, have to make those calculated strategic, frankly, strategic decisions on like, what are we willing to tolerate? What aren't we willing to tolerate? And our individual and and familial and community life factors all factor into that and that's that's decisions we have to make ultimately that's uh why i decided to get as involved as i am yeah um you know having having these thoughts of uh i'm i'm not a parent either currently um yeah. that that is in the future life plan for myself and my wife mm -hmm. um just the thought of my child asking, you know, what did I do? Was was just horrifying to me to just think, uh, oh, I just yeah. did nothing. I I sat by and maybe made a meme or two. That that wasn't good enough. For <laughs> Memes me. are powerful though, but yes, I they are. <laughs> yeah, it's um, 
I mean, we have straight up bullied federal agencies, you know, out of existence. Uh, yes. So, but not doing anything was just a terrifying thought to me. Yep. Um, and the point I'm terrified of for other freedom fighters as well is to the point that, you know, we might have some people end up having to be arrested because they stand up for what's right. Yep. And I don't want to see any of us get to that point, even though I think uh, we've kind of passed that point, depending on what subject you're talking about. Yep. Um, but I, I still ask myself, do you know, where's all the Cowboys, you know, um, it's just kind of interesting, of course, that risk versus reward. And I would never advocate for somebody going out there to do something, but there, there's a point, you know, it's, I, I was even having a discussion with my wife the other night and saying, you know, if, if it ever came to that, you know, I would gladly spend a night or two in jail if it was, if I was on the right side of uh, having to make a choice that that would be something I would sacrifice. Although I yep. don't want to, <laughs> no one wants to, no one's like, yay, prison or jail yeah. or whatever. Like no yay fines even. I mean, you know, no yeah. one likes that. Uh, yay. Having my license suspended or whatever. Like, I mean that no one likes those things. Um, I, I will say there are certain things that like I've, I have done that have been in non-compliance and I will happily do again. Uh, if, and when there are ever any other kind of, you know, uh, I'm waiting for them to do it for climate change. I, I think we're probably not oh, quite there man. yet, but I, I, I'm waiting for that. And I will be happy to violate that stuff because there's also the like, well, what am I willing to tell other people I did? And there are certain things if I say it and people go, eh, I'm not sure if I agree with that. But saying I went outside because the sun was hot and that <laughs> apparently it was a sun is hot day. And that means that I can't go outside, you know, so with COVID, I, with a clear conscience said, yeah, I've, I've violated many, many of those orders and, uh, and I didn't encourage others to do so, but said, I'm doing this. And in fact, would let people know like, Hey, listen, if you've got priors, if you've got warrants and stuff out there, you may not want to be at this thing. Like, you know, yeah. that's your decision, but you know, we're, we're doing illegal stuff here. And, and I, uh, I, you know, uh, another one is feeding homeless people. Um, we're, we're planning some homeless feedings. They're actually just, and I shouldn't even say homeless. Feed, we're planning to go to public places and give out food to whoever's there without a license. Cause why the hell do you need a license for that? <gasps> yeah, I know because it's unsafe. It's so unsafe. We're going to you know beat you and tase you for your safety and, uh, and make sure people starve, starve for their safety. And we'll be doing more of those. And I'm sure many of the people will be feeding are, are homeless. And some of them will just be people yeah. at the park who'd also like a breakfast taco or whatever, you know, or a sandwich yeah. or whatever. And, uh, you know, we may get arrested. We may get fined. We may just be physically removed and told don't come back. And, you know, we'll be live streaming the whole thing. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, that the, there's there's a power to that. So, um, but even there, you can, you can decide well, how much are you not willing to comply? Because technically having an officer physically remove you from a place is an act of aggression. Are you going to defend that? I personally likely wouldn't. Uh, but, um, you know, some people might. That's you decide decision to go to dead weight. That's, there's some, no yeah, problem. Some, yeah, yeah, or even, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say, yeah, dead weight you could certainly do, but some people might make them dead weight. You know, that's, that's... Yeah. Uh, that's really their decision to make. Uh, I tip. I don't really advocate for that. I think besides, 
it being in a murky ethical and moral place. It's also, you're going to make everyone hate you if you punch a cop or something like that. Uh, even if you are fully in the right, uh, you know, if, you know, anyway, point I'm making well, is how effective would that really be? <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like I had someone ask me one time, they're like, well, all the existence of the state is, is active aggression. Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm an anarchist. I believe that. Yes. Well then wouldn't any violent action against the state be justified? And I said, sure, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you not to bomb the library. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I think that you're, you're first of all, that probably isn't there. There, there isn't even a a a. There isn't even a a cerebral moral argument to be made there. But I mean, there 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 are. There's a, a even even something that's. I mean, very few people want to bomb the library. But like you know, someone who's like, uh yeah, if I if I you know saw uh you know cops, I'm gonna go do something or whatever. And it's like. Even if you could make some some uh, philosophically grounded moral argument that all acts against the police are inherently defensive because their existence is an imposition and blah, 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 blah. A, kind of murky. B, what is the what's like you have to also part of your principles have to be like, is this going to work? And are you just going to make people embrace the police state even more and see you as the aggressive terrorist yeah. monster? If so probably don't do that like you know pick pick and choose your battles not just from your own personal you know what's what's you're comfortable with but also from the standpoint of is this going to make people think what you're doing is good or not so like for example feeding sandwiches to people and you know telling the police you're gonna have to drag me off this property yeah sure that's probably gonna get most of the public behind you that's a that's a solid one if you want to do that if you choose to do that you know <laughs> again i always use bombing the library but like you know something like that no that's not to make everyone hate you i'm gonna hate you like why would you do yeah. that don't do that so like yeah so you you have to even after you decide that you're you're going to resist you then have to decide the resistance obviously i've just used some extremes that no one's going to want it no one listening to this is going to think i'm doing anyway but like even in the in the margins there's going to be stuff that either you're not comfortable going that far or that's actually going to backfire and make people hate you. You got a lot of stuff to consider when you're deciding what you are or are not going to comply with and then how you're going to do it. And, um, you know, we just have to keep, we have to, once we've chosen what we do, we do it. And, and we make sure we're doing it in a way that inspires other people and, and makes them feel empowered to decide what they're going to do for the movement. What you or the power is doing is entirely legal. You know, we've we've even filed for our, you know, we got our 501c3 and or 501c4. And now we're working on a foundation that'll be a 501c3. We're IRS legal, right? Like we are <laughs> legal, 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 legal. And yep. we're doing everything we can within, you know, that's a way to help grow the liberty movement. And it's entirely legal. So, I mean, there's a, there's a you don't have to become an outlaw just to help grow the liberty movement. Uh, you know, yeah. people have to make those decisions for themselves. I I definitely 100% agree. Um, I'm I think the whole goal is uh, keep it as peaceful as possible. Uh, yes, and yep. self defense would be the only exception. Exactly, um, 100%. And uh, that that's really the goal. I you know 
I will just say, I just want to see a little bit more, uh, some more cowboys come out of the woodworks. You know, <laughs> there, there's room for it, and they are welcomed. Um, we'll we'll Absolutely. start wrapping up here, so I don't keep you too too long. Sure. Um, within the kind of the same vein, um, I I know you've attended, you know, many rallies, many demonstrations, all kinds of things. There, there's one point that a very close friend of mine. Um, had made I, I believe you know him uh, Sean Hickman yes um, I love he, Sean. he has always made the point that people will have opinions about everything going on uh, on the world scale the national scale and everything but yet a vast majority of those people won't even go to their city council meetings mm-hmm. um, what would you recommend for people to start attending their city council meetings like any general questions they could ask, like uh, beyond the, uh, you know, just behave yourself and don't disrupt the meeting. Um, what what are some things that people could do like that that could effectively start working towards change in their community? Sure. So one thing I would do is encourage you to join You Are the Power because that's the kind of stuff we do. And we encourage other, we organize people. So it's not just you showing up. It's a bunch of people. It's your neighbors and other fellow activists in the area showing up. So if you go to youarethepower.net, sign up. That's the kind of stuff we do. We do training on it. We we help uh, develop and organize around causes and all of that stuff. So that that's our jam. That's what we do. But just generally speaking, I think the biggest thing that you can do is find something in your local area, and I know I feel like I'm saying the same thing we've said over and over again, but yeah. it's because it's this important. Find something, and I'm glad we're closing on this because this is an important one. You first of all, there's two things. Number one, even before you're showing up to city council, I think it's important to be making connections in your community. And you may have already been doing this, so it, it, it skip to step two if you have. But if you haven't, it's important. Show up to some charitable stuff. Show up if there's a, a park cleanup or a you know a homeless outreach or something like that. Show up and just do some help. You don't have to be there a long time. Go for like an hour, hour and a half, something like that, and uh, you know talk with people and and maybe get some of, you know some of your friends or people that are in your community to to come out and join you. Uh, I know sometimes when you're by yourself, it's pretty like daunting for a lot. Of, I'm one of those weirdos that can show up and not know anyone and be okay. But most people aren't <laughs> like that. So bring some friends, bring your loved ones, bring your family. If you got a partner, bring your partner. And uh and you know, show up and 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 now people in the in your local community know who you are. You make some connections. You might find out about something you didn't know about that you might want to help with or something like that. And uh and so you have a little bit of a network there, right? And the more you do that, the more network you have, the more uh um the more, uh, you know, I guess, uh, trust capital you have of, of, from people. And, um, and then from there, and you might even find these things while you're talking with folks, but find something that really hits you here that your, like say your city council or county council is doing or not doing. And that you can be pretty sure that other people are, are pretty upset about as well and uh or agree with you on as well and uh and show up and talk to them show show up and and the beauty of of the city council thing is that um uh because of how how typically i'm sure there are some that are exceptions but everyone i know of uh the way they do public comment they don't respond so if you're worried that like you're going to get up there and (laughs) because i I had someone once say i'm worried i'm going to get up there and say something and then they're going to like you know, tell me how I was wrong or, 
you know, insult me or something. I'm like, no, no, they don't even respond. Um, uh, they, or at least not right then. Like they don't, they don't go, Hey, you, I, this is what I think or whatever. Uh, they, pretty much you just go up and, and say your piece. Now someone might else might get up and, and say the opposite, but that's rare. Uh, usually it's you and whoever you brought that show up to these things and go and just speak your mind, have your talking points, make sure you find out if there's like a time limit or anything like that, because some it's, you can talk for as long as you want. Most of them usually have three to five, maybe 10 minute limit. I was at one where it was like 90 seconds. Everyone went over anyway, but know what your limit is. Get your talking points down. Maybe even if you're not used to public speaking, maybe even practice a little what you want to say. Some people write it down. I'm not a fan of writing stuff down. I like to look people in the eye when I'm talking to them. But you know what? Maybe you want to write it down. You go up, give a really powerful speech. Some of the most powerful speeches I've ever seen were written down by people. So go down, you know, write it down, practice it, go and just do it. You go and talk to them and uh, you'll find after you get over the, you know, the jitters of doing it the first time and the what's going to happen and all that, uh, you'll walk away feeling pretty empowered because, you know, first of all, you did it. That's a big deal. And second of all, you'll often go there and say something and people you don't know are like, yeah, or you might even get cheered or clapped. I've seen it happen. I've seen a lot of videos where people show up and you can tell they're nervous and they're reading their thing and their arms shake and they'll say it and people go, yeah, or whatever like that. And, uh, you know, you know that that's a, a good first step. But if you want some help, if you want to not be in there alone, if you want to get some, some training behind it, if you want to get some help with organizing it, that's the work we do. We do the work of getting people around causes that matter in their backyards where it matters most, where you're far more likely to be affected on a day-to-day -day basis, your local and regional, I say regional, like your county or your borough or whatever, your localized, your local level government, even a lot of the statewide and federal stuff that happens is enforced by local police or county police or sheriff's departments. It's there where it's happening. And you have the ability to show up and speak truth to power. And if you want to be a part of an organization that is doing that across the country, helping people to learn how to become activist leaders in their community, helping them to make connections with other like-minded and common cause groups in their community, helping connect them with a nationwide network of liberty activists who want to work together online and in person to do these types of things, and then show up and actually organize to win around these things, then I invite you to join us at You Are The Power because that's exactly what we do. And our website is youarethepower.net. Membership is free. We'd love to have you be a part of it. And I hope to have you there. And Jacob, thank you again for having me on, man. I always love talking about this stuff. Always great to talk with you. Right back at you. Um, you know, it was such a bummer when, uh, you know, the, the first conversation we had got struck down by our big tech overlords. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it was overdue for us to have a conversation. And, Absolutely. You, know, you know, I, I started this show because I started seeing the attacks on free speech and obviously within the Liberty movement, we are just flooded with Liberty podcasts, yep. but I, I feel as though <laughs> we need to dogpile with all of yes. this, put out so much content that they can't censor it, that it just keeps coming yep. and coming. Yep. Yep. And so I, I thank you so much uh, for coming back on. We'll definitely get you on again. And uh, yeah, everyone go join. You are the power. I'm a member myself. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things. One thing I'll, I'll say about city councils, uh, county commissions, all of these things, 
that's where actually a lot of corruption happens. A and lot. They'll they'll throw in bills for things they don't have the money for, and they'll pass it anyway. And the reason they do it is because nobody shows up, nobody questions, nobody pushes back. It's it's the exact opposite. Like you know, there's this spotlight on what happens in D.C. or even in this in your state capital, and they do it anyway because they can. And who the hell is going to stop yep. them? In your city council, they do stuff. You would be shocked to find out what your city council, your county council, even if you're following it, you will show up to one of those meetings. And in a short period of time, as a matter of course, like it's not even happening, they will do some of the most corrupt stuff that you have ever seen because no one shows up. Like yep. no one, or if they do show up, they don't understand what's happening. And they're there just to say, you know, there's a, you know, a pothole in my neighborhood or whatever. And they, they get away with so much. And if someone who actually understands what's happening shows up and calls them on it and, yep. and has an organization like you are the power that brings the local media in and gets, makes that puts a, sh a, a spotlight on it. You would be shocked how quickly some of these councils back <laughs> off because they're not built for it. They, I've had, entire councils delete their entire social media they're not built for it they don't know what that they don't know what pushback looks like and if even a handful of people show up to a meeting and tell them what for they're like whoa 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 and <laughs> like you it, you would be shocked i mean obviously if you're in a city like chicago or new york we got an uphill battle we're still going to fight it but it's an uphill battle but some of these like you know, you're in a town of like 50,000 people, 10,000 people, 100,000. They have no idea what pushback looks like. They are used to doing stuff and it's just the same seven people in the room or whatever. Yep. A handful of people show up, it changes everything and you can be a part of that. So one last thing and we'll we'll end on this. Um, sure. I asked you first time around, but so many people didn't see that. And um, mm -hmm. there's something I like to ask because it's simple, but it, it it's interesting because everyone has a different opinion and i love everyone everyone's opinion on this okay but why does liberty matter in the first place liberty matters in the first place because we do best when we're most free and i know a lot of libertarians don't like that because they're here on primarily they're here because it's philosophically sound and it's the most moral thing and i i agree with all of that but to me, what matters most to me is that this is how people live best. And it's not even that the libertarian utopia is how people live best. Yes, that's true as well. But on a day-to-day -day basis, the more individual autonomy and respect and dignity and responsibility that a human being has, the more they thrive the happier they are, the better educated they are, the healthier they are, the more fulfilled their life is, the more um, uh, purposeful they are in the way that they live, the better of a future that their children and their children and their children have, the better their community thrives. And the more we can push the needle towards freedom and towards liberty, the better all of us will do. It's not a utopian, it never will be but it will be better. It will be proportionately better. There's a direct correlation between freedom and liberty and better outcomes for everyone. Real, better, purposeful, fulfilling outcomes for people. It's what drives me. The philosophy is what got me here, but the purpose 
and the the value of what liberty brings is what drives me it's what wakes me up in the morning and uh, and i hope it does for you as well and um it's why you are the power our primary our first focus is help people now even if everyone we're working with isn't yet bought in and you know we haven't gotten them on our our, our high-minded ideas yet if they're ready to work with us to help people let's do it now let's help people right now that is why liberty matters well that was well said and on that note uh we'll we'll end it up here and uh thank you so much spike for coming on uh, like i said we'll we'll get you on again um hang out for a minute while uh, we finish getting the recording in the background and everything and uh, everyone else, thank you so much for making it to this point in the video. Um, if you found value in this, hit the like, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, that helps the channel grow. That helps get this message out. These conversations are incredibly important. And uh, I want to keep doing them for everyone. Uh, not to mention, I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And so... Uh, Make sure uh, to go check out Spike's links. They are all in the episode description. Um, we've got some good guests coming up, so make sure to stay tuned. Uh, I can't drop any names yet. Nothing's 100% concrete, but uh, stay tuned. You're, you're going to want to see them. Uh, once again, thanks, Spike and everyone else. Until next time, stay free, my friends. <laughs>